Welcome back to Salt's podcast, Creating Futures, for our fourth episode, hosted by myself, Elliot Dell, CEO of Salt. I'm excited to be speaking with three-time Olympic speed skater and founder of Raw London, Sarah Lindsay. We talk about her speed skating career, starting your own business, the importance of backing yourself and lots more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's all right. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure to catch up and speak whatever forum it's in. So we, we start all of our Creating Future shows with the um, same question. So we're going to kick off with what was your dream career when you were a child? Well, that's easy for me. Also, I went to win the Olympics from, I don't know, five, six years old. Uh, I was convinced. I, th- I always think it, it was kind of easy because everybody around me was going to the Olympics. You know, my teammates and everything were, were going. So it, was, it always felt like it was a given. I never, I think you can't be arrogant at five, six years old. I think I just assumed that because that guy's going, this guy's going, of course I'm going to go. So not for one day did I think that I wouldn't be. So I never had to try and decide what I was going to do or it was always just this is what's happening and I always knew which I know is so lucky because most people spend their whole lives trying to find the thing that they really love or that they're passionate about so um yeah that was a real gift actually as a as a child I've always I've always known I wanted to be a speed skater. So your dream career was always what you wanted to be yeah and what you ended up doing you know you're a three-time Olympian speed skater how did you actually first get into it? What was the, the first moment you, you went onto some ice? What was the first moment you knew the Olympic re- rings were going to be your dream? Well, I did lots of sport. I have some energy and attention issues, let's say. And so my parents needed me to do sport before and after school and run off some of my energy and I think give them a rest so that they could just sit at the side for an hour and have some peace and quiet while somebody else entertains me. So I did lots of different sports and then my friend was doing figure skating and so I just went along to that and then somebody was talent spotting for speed skating and just asked if I wanted to give it a go and then I loved it. I just fell in love straight away. And what was it like competing at such a high level? I mean, I think it's because it's such a, it's a slow journey. I did it for 20 years. So... You know, it's not like one day you just you just go to the Olympics. I mean, each Olympics has a four-year cycle, obviously. And now, even when I look back at it, and I think that's such a long time to train for, for one event, ultimately. But you do have a four-year training plan. And each year, you're supposed to achieve certain things. And it's broken down, obviously, all the way down to what you're doing each day. Um, but it's, it's just not an overnight thing. And my sport is quite a slow sport to become really good at. My first Olympics, I was 21, and then so I did 2002, 2006, then 2010. And then before that, you're competing at lots of different World Cups and Europeans and World Championships and things to sort of, you know, see where you're at. And, and, but the Olympics is, is the big sort of end goal and the major plan in, in all of that. What's the, the greatest moment that you carry with you? What's the, uh, you know, the picture you have or the feeling that you have from, from, from that speed skating career? I have loads, you know, and it's never the things that people think it's going to be because, you know, you lose maybe 100 races to every win. 
it's not it's never a given even if you're you know clearly the best things happen in races that you can't control so it's super up and down um, but I have loads of moments where I, I really sort of mentally overcame something or I did something that I was really proud of that other people don't necessarily see and my best results weren't were actually my more disappointing ones for myself, which is a funny one. Like my first ever ISU medal, my first ever real official medal on the world circuit, I would, my initial, my first thought when I crossed the line, and it should have been the best thing since my best result ever on paper. But my first thought was, oh, I didn't do that. I wanted, I was supposed to try and do something and I didn't try and do it. And really I bottled out, you know, I, I took a safer option and I said, I wasn't going to do that. And I did. And I was really disappointed. And my coach was like, come on, Sarah, it's your first win. Like he was so happy. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, it is, it's a good step. But for me, I just, I wanted to do everything right. Um, so yeah, there's much smaller wins in there that for me were a bigger deal than the actual result, which is funny because really all it is about winning. And from the highs of winning uh, and the great experiences, unfortunately, you had to uh, to leave speed skating after an injury. You know, how was this time for you uh, and what were the challenges that you had to overcome in that period? Well, actually, what happened was I had an injury um, a few years before I retired. So uh, three and a half years before I retired, I, I had a really bad back injury and I couldn't train for a year and three months in total. Um which was, which was a super tough period, right? It's, you've gone from training six to nine hours a day, every day, and you miss one session, and it's like everything's ending, you're devastated, to really not being able to train at all, or even be able to walk for quite a long period of time, which was, which was super tough. But, and this is actually the thing, I think I'm most proud of in, in my career was my comeback from that. So it, like I say, it did take a year and a half rest, but then I had two years till my next Olympics. And, because it had been taken away from me and because I was told I was never going to skate again. And I think I knew I was going to, I knew I was, I was going to do everything I could to come back, but I didn't miss one thing. That two years I gave a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And I didn't know what that meant until it had been taken away from me. I always thought I trained hard. I always thought I was a, you know, a, a workhorse and everything, but until it was, you know, I felt like I was a year and a half behind everybody else. So I had so much catching up to do. Um, so that two years, I felt like I was starting from scratch and I really had to sort of claw my way back up the ranks. But then I actually finished. My last Olympics was, although my performance wasn't there because I was disqualified, <laughs> that's a whole other subject. I was actually skating the best I've ever skated and the fastest I've ever skated. I was skating world records leading into that Olympics. So I was absolutely flying, but I believe it was because of psychologically what happened due to the injury that really got me back there. And do you think that's what you did with your time? Because obviously with the injury, you couldn't be on the ice and train in the way that you had before. Do you felt that you focused more on mindset than you had done previously? Oh, I had to do loads, loads. I mean, it was actually something, I think it was, was Steve Backley of all people that, that I got this or my psych got this from. Um, but I think he had a long-term injury and he said that he didn't miss one training session in that whole six months or something because he visualized every single one. So he went through every training session as if it was real. So he was, you know, in his head doing everything. And so he felt like he hadn't missed training. He wasn't far behind. And that's something that really sort of 
stuck with me. And I did, so I did loads of visualization, loads of um, race vis visualization that I wouldn't normally have the energy or time for. Um, I had some, some tough times and there were some dark moments where, you know, I can't move all day. I'm just lying on this, you know, this um, sort of hard bed thing. Um, but yeah, I think you have to, in those situations, you really have to dig deep, don't you? And, and find something positive and something constructive to do. And to be honest, you don't know, you know, 20 years of training, maybe I needed a year off. Maybe my body wouldn't have lasted to the next Olympics. Maybe I'd have been finished a year early. Who knows? You don't know every, you know, everybody's different and everybody's body responds and reacts differently to different things. So I have to just assume it was all part of the plan. <laughs> You spoke there about visualization. Uh, you know, you spoke there about you know a twenty-year career with all the intensity around that. Where did the idea of yours come for starting your own business after you know leaving the world of speed skating? Well, actually, so I didn't have a plan when I retired from sport. I just I retired very quickly, and then I didn't I hadn't really planned it, and I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to do another four years, so I will be too old by then. So it was like kind of. I could do another year, I could do world championships and try and get the, you know, the result I wanted. But um, I was, I was sore after that last Olympics and the, it was quite an unjust disqualification. I know lots of people will say, will say that, but the referee got a two year ban after that Olympics. Um, so yeah, I was kind of sulking maybe. <laughs> I just thought, you know what, I've, I've had enough now. I need, to move, I need to move on. So I just dived into the next thing. And I, like I said, I hadn't planned it. And first I wanted to learn the trade. So I went into personal training and I did loads and loads of hours. I worked, you know, loads of hours and I, for lots of different people. And um, I sort of learned the industry and I learned my own craft. And then I realized that it didn't get, it just didn't get me enough. I needed some risk and I needed something that made me nervous. It was something, I'm sure it's a physiological thing. You know, every day when you skate, you're nervous, you have butterflies because you're skating really fast. If you fall over, you crash, you break your bones. You know, it's something that even though you're good at it, you can still fall. And so every day I felt butterflies, every competition, you know, you're, you're stressed out of your mind, but you thrive on that. And, you know, you need that to, to keep sort of challenging yourself and pushing yourself forward. So I just found like physically, I was very unstimulated and I just needed something that that challenged me and made me scared. And so I had to do it on my own. That was, and I didn't know anything else. It was my, that was what I did. And that's the only sort of path I, I really thought I'd be good at. So um, yeah, I decided to, to do it on my own and take a risk and put everything into it. And today, as it stands, you've got an incredible business. I'm one of your followers on your social channels, on your Instagram feed. You've got a, a very bright and colorful Instagram feed. There was times during lockdown where I couldn't face another cold run or, uh, you know, some weights in the cold garage. And I remember watching one of your, I think it was like a Sunday morning or something. And you'd done like an at home body weight workout. And yeah. uh, I got in front of my mirror on my top floor and I did about half an hour and I felt really energized and I felt great. And it kind of gave me that, that re kick to kind of keep going. And I think that's what your feed does. You bring a lot of personality into it, but you know, how, how have, you know, there's so much into growing a business. How, how have you grown raw? fitness in, into what it is today I think I think we've just never stopped I think we're just we always are trying to grow I think as soon as you stop and you 
chill, then really you're going backwards. I think you have to keep, because the rest of the world is still moving, right? So you just have to keep pushing forwards all the time. So as soon as we've achieved the thing, the thing that we're trying to do at the moment, if we're trying to open a new facility, as soon as that's done, it's like, right, what's the next one? I, don't, I never want to sit back and chill until I'm ready to sell or leave or, you know, move on completely with my life. I will not sit back and just let the business tick over and, and you know, take my salary or whatever. I'll always try and move it forwards. And I feel quite quite responsible for my for my team as well. I've got an amazing loyal team that are excited about the business and being part of a small business. And some of them from day one, and they've seen it grow, and they've been a huge part of that. So I feel like I owe it to them as well to keep it moving forward. So hopefully, there's more opportunities of growth for more people within the business. And that's one one of the most rewarding things about having your own business is what you can create for other people. I'm sure you know, right? Um, so that's not, that's part of it that I really, really enjoy. So yeah, I haven't thought about not moving for, I'm always just thinking about the next thing. So we're looking at properties now and trying to decide where we're going to go. It's not clear yet, but we will. And you've got uh, three, three gyms in London. Have you thought about going further afield? Is, is international expansion on the horizon at all? Well, it was from day one, I really wanted to, to go abroad. And then obviously what's happened the last couple of years has made me a little bit wary and I'm sure things are going to change. So I was just kind of seeing how that's going to settle down really and like looking at different options because the places we had originally looked at or thought of, I think are maybe not the, maybe not the places to go now. So um, I do want to change the scenery. I would like to go, to go abroad and I mean, I love the sun. You know, so I've really feed off it. So it'd be nice to be able to, to go away somewhere hot, somewhere that I really enjoyed spending some time. Um, and yeah, find a new challenge, really, because I'm sure that will come with different things. London, obviously, I know very well. And opening, although it you know, can be tricky, I know what I'm doing here now. So it's kind of easy. And with all the battle wounds that you've uh, accumulated along the way, retrospectively, what's the, the one thing you wish someone had told you before starting out your own business? I don't know about, about that one, to be honest. I think um, because that kind of implies regret or, um, and I think you've got to learn your, you've got to learn your own way. You know, somebody can, can give you advice and you can, and you can listen and you take things on and help you make your own decisions. But if somebody had said, and we've gone through some, some, you know, real down times as well, but then there's always a positive that comes out of that. And you think, well, would that have happened if, you know, that thing hadn't happened to me? So I think you have to find your, your own way and learn for yourself and make those mistakes. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's, I wouldn't do anything differently, even though, it's, I mean, you know, you were, when I lost my first business, you were one of the very few people I even told about that, you know, really sort of confided in. And that, that meant a lot to me when you have, when you're around people that have, you know, that have done well and have success, especially in startup businesses and have done it themselves and they back you when you're at your worst, you know, that makes you feel that little bit more empowered and a little bit safer. And, you know, like it's not all doom and gloom. Everybody just turns around and says to you, happens to everyone don't worry, you'll come back, it'll be fine, you're amazing. And I think when it comes from, from people like yourself or, you know, a, a couple of other people that, that were there at that time, and I think you can, people can say that to you, tell you don't know, do you? It's, uh, it's a difficult one. I'd love to say that to everybody that's going through like a crappy time with, with their business, especially this year. It's been, 
you know, everything's been thrown at people. Um, but, you know, they will come out the other side. And even if they don't, you know, with regards to the business they're in at the moment, then they weren't supposed to, and they're supposed to move on and do something, and they'll do something better. As long as you never give up, as long as you keep fighting and keep pushing, the story's not finished, you know? Yeah, look, strong words. And, you know, what you said a moment ago as well about keep moving forward. Once you stand still is when you can slip backwards. And to drive a business, it is always about looking forward, looking for the next opportunity and backing yourself to make that right step forward. When you think about your whole career, is there, is there anything you would change at all? You know, not in a regretful way, but mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, a key moment where you could have made a, a different decision or gone a different way or... Bit of a sliding doors thing. Yeah. Um, I think, so, I mean, it, it, is, I mean, it is kind of regret, isn't it? Um, I think... I think when it comes to money is is one that I think I have kind of learned and it's difficult when you're when you're not used to to that kind of thing but I think unless with with regards to investments when you start a business I think unless you need a business partner who's bringing that investment so if you need a business partner to help you do what you're doing and there's things that you can't do and you need somebody to share the responsibility and the risk with and everything if they bring money then great but if you need or you think you need an investor just for the money I think exhaust every other avenue first you know find try and find the money somewhere else you know you can probably borrow you'd be surprised if you have a really good plan and a really thought out business model um I just think you should try and get the money elsewhere before giving away your you know your heart your skills everything that you bring to the table unless like I said you need that other person to bring something more than money anyway so that's something that I think I would never do that again basically (laughs) that's something that now I although I wouldn't change what happened um, with my first investor for example because it has you know we're here now so I can't have regrets but if I was gonna if I needed to get money from somewhere it wouldn't be from a person (laughs) it would probably be from you know from the bank or something instead yeah I think that's really good advice I think you know sometimes we don't back ourselves in life uh, and we think someone chucking some money at us is going to be the quickest route to building something but you see some amazing stories you know the way you've built your business you look at how Joe Wicks created his business you know you you hear of his story you know cycling to the park with a trailer with some you know some gym equipment on the back and training people in the park yeah you know that's all passion that's all heart and that is like you say really backing yourself you've got to believe in yourself and you will fall down things will go wrong loads of things probably but you just have to keep getting back up and keep going again and it all becomes you know, you become successful and it all becomes part of your story or what makes the whole thing interesting. You see all these companies, you think, oh my God, that happened overnight or they became, but it never is. There'll be a 10 year story behind it and there'll be a couple of failed businesses or, you know, there'll be, there'll be something dramatic in there that went horribly wrong. But that's, you know, that's all part of the learning curve. And obviously it's super hard to see that at the time. And who knows, you know, who knows what the what the future holds, but you have to back yourself. Absolutely. And look, backing yourself is certainly something you've done. It's why I was keen to get you on the show. Uh, I think you've got a, a very inspirational story. You're an inspirational person. One of the, the cute things I like about how it's connected to our business as a global recruitment business is you changed the career direction from speed skating to personal trainer and now business owner. So what advice would you give to people who right now in this state of flux where 
you know, some industries have benefited from the last couple of years in COVID and other industries have, uh, have you know, completely disseminated. What, what advice would you give to people that are thinking about changing their careers or going in a different direction to what they initially thought? Well, I think that has to, that has to come from a place of excitement. You know, it means that you've got an element of freedom there. And sometimes people just get stuck in their comfort zones and they, you know, risk averse. They don't want to change direction or do something new. Or, you know, maybe they think of something, oh, I'd love to do that, but I can't because, you know, this is what I do or this is my job. These are my responsibilities. And actually, when, especially when things go wrong or maybe, you know, you've lost your job or worst case. And I think it is freedom. You can do anything now. What do you really want to do? You know, you've finally got this like chance where you don't have to make the decision. Maybe it's been made for you, but you know, so what do you want to do next? Like, and you never look back and regret it. It might take you years, for example, it might take you five years to, I don't know, just say you want to be a physio and you spend five years trying to be a physio. And you think, oh, five years, I've not got five years to do that. In five years time, you wouldn't look back and say, oh, I don't know why, you know, I did that. You just, you've just got to get started. Just start, don't think and question yourself a million times over. What do you really want to do? What gets you? What makes you, you know, what are you passionate about? What are you going to enjoy doing? And do it. You can do anything. I don't get really animated and excited about this because I do, I do think that. I do really believe that people underestimate themselves. And if you want it, you can make almost anything happen. The passion is beautiful. The energy is beautiful. And, and that's what it's all about. And I think that's the thing. You know, I spoke to uh, David Harris on my last podcast. He's the CEO of an academy of schools. Uh, and why I admire about him is the way that they really drill into the kids, you know, believe in your hopes and dreams. And I think there was, uh, I think generations were lost where we weren't taught to follow our hopes and dreams. It was, you know, everyone follow the academic route, yeah. get some or, bits of paper. Parents do, you know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they're very wise words, you know, follow what excites you, because ultimately, that's where your motivation, drive and passion is going to come from. You've got to um, aim high. The heart, you know, if you aim absolutely for the stars, if you get this close, that's much better than just, you know, aiming to, to you know, do what's safe. Absolutely. Now, you've previously um, mentioned that it's not just about body transformations, but also the mental transformations as your client's confidence and belief grow. How important do you think exercise is for people's mental health? I mean, it's the, it's the most, you know, underrated antidepressant there is. You know, it's huge for people. Um, you never feel bad after, you know, you might be tired, but you never feel bad after workout. It always lifts people and I think that's something that's so multi like there's so many layers to that and and why it can why it can be good for you but obviously if you're healthy and your body is functioning better and that's you know from what you eat you know ultimately eventually your cell tissue in your body is made up from your food so when you start to eat healthier and your body is made of healthier stuff it's going to work better and that's your organ tissue and, and everything as well so um, when your body's functioning well and you're sleeping better and you know you've got more energy you're not relying on you know coffee and, and stuff to to survive all day and when you're physically stronger you know that physical strength and physical capability crosses over into everything else in your life of course you become more confident when you know that your body is badass 
Um, so, you know, there's, you see it with people when they come in, most people come in because they don't feel good at the end of the day. They come in because they're not in a good place, they don't feel good or their body is changing in a way that they don't like and they don't know how to get that back. Um, so then a few weeks in when people feel amazing and they're, you know, they're confident and they're wearing different clothes and they're making different eye contact and making better decisions and they're a nicer person to be around. You know, you see all those things that it sounds, um, I don't know, I sound like a hippie when I talk about this stuff, but I see it every single day, people that come in feeling rubbish and then when they leave, they feel amazing. And that's the most rewarding thing. That's what's really, you know, a real game changer or like life changing for people, not just making them thinner. You know, there's such a small, small part of it. And, you know, you're known for the transformations. Um, But really, I think your body changing in that way, if that's what somebody comes in and asks for, that's just good personal training. That's mm-hmm. because they specialize in transformation. People come in, I don't tell them what they should want. They come in, they tell me what they want, and we facilitate that. So a lot of the time, the, you know, the body will go that way. They'll get leaner and stronger and you know, develop muscle and lose body fat and stuff. So that's just really a bit of a byproduct of what it is should be happening. Yeah, I totally agree. If I don't train or exercise for two days, I can feel my mind start to wallow. I don't enjoy eating as much. I feel sluggish, so... I absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, Perhaps it'd be uh, a lot more healthier people if uh, in some of the early years of medicine, people weren't being subscribed pills left, right and centre to feel better. And they were told to get out and exercise a bit more and and eat a bit better. But I think the world's uh, changing in that respect. And I think a lot of the online, the big online movement with fitness during COVID, I think has massively helped. Yeah, well, lots of people got into good routines. I think first lockdown everybody exercised because we were told to and it was the only thing you're allowed to do so right I'm going to get into jogging or you know whatever whatever it was that people decided to do and although they didn't necessarily get what they wanted from that I had a lot of people saying that they didn't get what they what they expected from that for several reasons but I think regardless of that people got into a routine of making fitness part of their life so that's like the first sort of hurdle with a lot of people and they feel the benefits of that and they you know they feel better and even just the endorphins from going for a power walk you know make people feel better so I think that was a really good thing that that came out of it unfortunately it went on for so long that a lot of people just decided they were going to start eating and drinking to make themselves feel better and it went a little bit the other way I, I think I'm not sure yeah, I did. I have heard a few people complaining of uh, what's being described as the COVID lard and, uh, you know, how uh, people did slip into some, some other habits. And I think that was the effect of it dragging on for so long. And, you know, speaking about the effects of COVID and it dragging on for so long, obviously COVID had a huge impact on many businesses, especially gyms and mm-hmm. fitness. You know, as a customer of gyms, I was massively affected by the constant closure of gyms, having to read that my training program, cycling, going up, running, training in the garage, etc. How, how did it impact you, uh, and how did you adapt? Well, we were, I mean, we were closed for a year, right? So we only just this facility that, that I'm talking to you from today in Kensington. We'd only been open a few weeks, six weeks, and then we got locked down. And then we were open in the middle for three weeks, and then closed down again. But ultimately, for the full year. So, I mean, financially, was, it was obviously a bit of a disaster because we just sort of paid to do it. Um, and then, you know, we still have all our, all our outgoings, all our rent and, you know, furloughing the staff was, was a lot. Um, 
So, and people, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you still have to pay the tax, employers tax and everything. So for each member of staff was maybe, I can't remember, seven, 800 pounds a month per, per person. So it was, it was hundreds of thousands of pounds that went out last year while we were closed, but with zero income. We did try, so I really wanted to launch this class that I've managed to do now, but we tried to do it in lockdown. But obviously now you're sort of scrambling, trying to get it done really quickly so that you could open that up as an as a online platform to train. But then we had building problems and then the builders wouldn't do it because obviously things were locked down. So nothing was happening. So we didn't actually really get that done until a few weeks ago, which, you know, a year and a half delayed, but still. Um, we got there in the end, but we wouldn't have had those ideas if it wasn't for lockdown. So that new class concept, raw metal, was kind of born out of out of lockdown. So although it didn't happen the way that I wanted it to, or you know, in time, it still meant that we've we've now launched that, um, and in a slightly different way than we ever would have. So, um, so yeah, I'm pleased about that. Did your uh, roller coaster of injuries and challenges as a um, professional speed skater prepare you for the business challenges that you've had to face over the last few years? Yeah, of course. You know, it um, makes you resilient. You have to be. So in sport, that's the, I think the biggest thing that came from, from sport for me that crossed over into business was, was having resilience because... When you compete, you know, we, we compete every sort of hour and it, the time between races gets shorter and shorter. So it starts off sort of an hour, hour and a half, and then it ends up as you get through the rounds, because it's kind of a knockout system. As you go through the rounds, you end up with maybe 20 minutes rest and anything could have happened in, in that race. You know, I've been in a situation at, at World Championships where I had a major crash with somebody, the, the other girl in my feet sliced this girl to bits and she was you know, taken off and her artery clamped and all sorts. And I didn't know if she'd even be, you know, if she'd be okay. And then I had to race again immediately and I was covered in blood and, you know, sick and all sorts. Um, and then I had to race again and you have to, you, but actually you just get straight back into, into race mind. And that's obviously a very dramatic example, but, you do, you do do it. It's just what you do. You forget it. You move on. You think about what you've got to do next, and you go again. And there are so many. Like I talked earlier, there's so many losses in sport. You know, you lose all the time, and it's devastating to you because you know all you want to do is is win and have the success that you feel like you deserve and you've worked hard for. But you'll you know you'll fail every single day. But you still have to be positive, and you still have to put everything into winning even when you're losing so I think you do become very good at boxing stuff moving on you know what am I going to do next or what practically can I do to be to be the best I can in my next event so I think that resilience really really helped that's I think what saved me in, in the worst moments of, of business. So you've had basically three back-to-back -back intense careers that of a professional sports person and Olympian throwing yourself into personal training working all hours as you said now as a business owner of three gyms whilst running you know a, a huge uh, personal profile if you like across your instagram pages and keeping people busy and interested and contained with all of the workouts and everything that you post how do you then balance uh, a life in and around all of that because it sounds intense yeah well like so for me i never so i never did right i I, that was my life and I didn't really care about anything else all I wanted so skating that was all I did I barely saw my family I didn't do anything social ever um, because it would 
it would only ever be negative towards my my next training session so if someone asked me to go for coffee I wouldn't even do that I'd be like, oh no I'm really busy and I'd just be lying there doing nothing trying to recover from my training session but you know I got into this terrible habit of you know never answering my phone and never talking to I, it's amazing I have friends but they waited for me for so long for me to finish and then the same with with the business is all consuming and that's all you think about and yet but it's only been I think the last sort of I don't know maybe two or three years where I've I'd say three years where I've said right I need time there's you know I'm important as well not just this isn't the only thing that makes me feel good and I've put a few things in place in in my life that are important to me and I've put quite a lot into building a life that I really enjoy so that my day-to-day and I'm still working on it I'm still but there you know I've, I've got to a point where there's certain parts of my day that I really really enjoy and are really important to me and it seems like a bit indulgent when you first start doing those things but I never knew how important it really was and also to enjoy the successes that was something that somebody who I who I admire said to me once who's he's got an amazing business and he said make sure that like, you're going to be successful make sure you enjoy the journey because he had 10 years where you know he was killing himself over the making the business successful and actually he looks back and says I could have had a holiday I could have had a relationship and, and things like that so I really listened when he said that to me and I was like no you're right I'm going to take time off every year to go away um, I am going to take time off for my family and now I have things in place like I said you know, just even my morning routine, for example, I no longer go in first thing in the morning, um, but I do wake up early and I have time in the morning. I always say an hour, but it's more like two where I don't look at my phone. I don't look at my emails because you can't control what's going to come at you, you know, and I don't want to start my day off that way. So I have that time in the morning where I take my coffee, I go outside and I barefoot grass ground again, the hippie and me coming out. But um, and then I go for a walk because you know, it's, it's exercise enough for me at that time of morning, but I go for a long walk and then I, I come back and I take my time and I go in a bit later. So I used to go in super early and I, now I don't start till half past 10. And I think, oh my gosh, I should be doing, but just not having, you know, the, the emails or social media where any troll can tell me how ugly I am today or whatever it might be. Um, you know, you, you don't have to accept that if you don't want to. And for me, that meant that everything else I do for the rest of the day is more positive. You know, when I do go to those emails, I can deal with them better. You know, I can reply better and I'm not just, you know, shouting at somebody or whatever it is. So I think it just sets you up in, or sets me up in a way that means I can deal with the rest of the day more positively and actually end up getting much more done, I think. I feel calm already, you talking through. Do you? Because I feel like I'm talking like so frantic. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you've wound that down beautifully. At the beginning, I was imagining how fast you had to skate because you know I've known of you as a speed skater for many years but I've never actually thought actually wow there's some real adrenaline junkie you know risk and then you're speaking about the whole artery thing there my whole body went like that because you know I'm not very good around blood and injuries and, and stuff like that so that wasn't, that wasn't we, a good one. <laughs> we went something you know we, we we started off and I started thinking wow god you know this is fast and furious and how you never sat down and you never stopped and the rest of it and now I feel very calm. Imagine you walking around your garden barefooted and the wet grass in the mornings and you're sipping your coffee. But that's nice. That feels like a balance. So I think you've created that, that whole balance just in that sentence there. So with all that in mind, if the listeners today could take one thing away from this, what, what would you 
what would you most like them to take away? I think um, I think actually came came from what you said about about backing yourself. You know, I think that people do need to follow their dreams and they do need to set you know set massive goals. Like, don't be scared to try. You know, just get out there, try and do what you what you love and what gets you up in the morning and really gets you you know your heart. And you know, you're going to be a much more you know exciting if you think if you worry about you know, your responsibilities or your kids or whatever, but they look up to somebody who's super passionate about what they do. I think there's nothing more inspiration, inspirational than passion. You know, somebody who's really into what they do and loves what they do. So I think if you have a dream or you have something that you, that you want to achieve, not to be scared of it and really believe in yourself. Everybody's just a person. You know, you look at these people and you think, oh my God, they've done this or they've done this. And it's like, you can do that too. I really, I've said it already, but I really do believe that people can do anything they want. They just have to start. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Sarah. And, um, you know, for anyone that's listening and they want to follow someone inspirational on Instagram, Raw Fitness Girl, find her. Always full of energy. Lots of great content on there. Lots of great workouts. A lot of personal stuff in there, there as well, which really helps you, you know, connect with your followers. And uh, listen, I really appreciate you taking time today in your busy schedule to speak with us and uh, share wisdom of, uh, you know, a very successful career and uh, lots of career changes along the way as well. So very much in theme with our theme of creating futures out there. Thanks so much for having me, Elliot. Pleasure. Thank you, Sarah.